Hey Luca Geeks, Ian Paget here and on this week's episode I'm interviewing Cole Gray to discuss the role of confidence when creating your personal brand and when growing your design business. But before we get into that I want to thank FreshBooks who have sponsored this episode. FreshBooks is an accounting software that will allow you to create professional invoices branded with your own logo and color scheme in as little as 30 seconds. And a core feature I like is that your clients can pay directly from those invoices too, meaning it's easier for them so you'll get paid faster as a result. Right now, I'm offering listeners of the Logo Geek podcast a free 30-day trial. To claim that, just head to freshbooks.com forward slash Logo Geek and be sure to enter Logo Geek in the How Did You Hear About Us section. So on this week's show, I'm interviewing Cole Gray, a designer and brand strategist based in Dundee, Scotland. I've known Cole now for quite a few years, and on top of being one of the most knowledgeable and humble designers I know, he has an amazing personal brand that's uniquely him. If you head to his website, pixelsinc.com, you'll see he proudly wears his long beard and says to his clients, we're here to rock your brand. Through design and copywriting, Cole's done a fantastic job of capturing who he is as a designer, but in a way that remains professional. Having been a designer for over 20 years, Cole knows his stuff, so I was keen to uncover how he created his personal brand and how he grew his design business. But the conversation went down a slightly unexpected route where we spoke about confidence, an important skill for anyone that wants to build a personal brand and build a design business. So I hope this conversation will be useful for anyone, no matter what level you're at. So let's get straight into this. Here is the interview with Cole Gray. One thing I really like about what you do is that you've done a really good job of injecting your own personality into everything that you're doing. So with Pixel Sync and uh, I know the Rock Your Brand thing, I've, I've seen that in, in a number of places. I think you've got a really unique brand and I think it's an extension of you. I, I think you've done a really great job of doing that. I find personal branding is one of those areas that designers really struggle with. So I've got a couple of questions around that topic. Go for it. Firstly, how did Pixel Sync start? And how did you go about developing that personal brand for yourself as part of that? Um, okay, so Pixels Inc. as a name started in sort of 2004-ish, I think. I was working for a, a company in the design department and that company went into liquidation. <laughs> and so I started to think about, well, what am I going to do if I can't get a job? I need to work for myself. So I, I needed to come up with a name for the company. And at the time, and this is true, at the time, the film Monsters, Inc. was out at the cinema. Um, I'm a big animation fan. I did animation for my degree at university. And, um, and so I thought, oh, Pixels, Inc., Pixels Incorporated. And then I thought, oh, no, Pixels, Inc. I could change this T to a K. And that describes exactly what I do. I do website stuff and I do print stuff. Um, and it, it didn't come straight away. I was I had things like pixelate with a number eight. That was a big thing back in the early 2000s, having a number eight in there. Um, and so 
I didn't need to use it for a couple of years. It was like sort of 2000 and end of 2005 when I actually started um, freelancing, I suppose, setting up my own little studio of one me um, pixels Inc and just started trading off of that. And I mean, the rock your brand thing didn't come around till a couple of years ago. Um, but the, you talk about personal brand and the personal branding thing is a weird one because I was running pixels Inc since 2005 and I joined up with another company in 2009 who were a web design company based down in Norfolk. I was in Dundee in Scotland and we, were, we kind of met through a mutual client and I joined their team. I kept trading as Pixels Inc. up here in Scotland, but I, I became part of their limited company, um, Creospace, and worked with them for four years. And then that kind of that um, partnership uh, dissolved and I went back to trading on my own. And it was when I went back to trade on my own, up till that point, I'd been, I suppose, presenting myself to clients the way I thought business people should present themselves to clients. Um, like, you know, smart shirt. And I always wore jeans. I didn't really wear trousers or that. But I just, um, I just had this feeling that I wasn't being myself. And at the time, I, I mean, I, I'm a bit of a baldy. I don't have much hair. I don't have any hair, maybe around the sides if I grew it. Um, but I had a little goatee at the time. And just one day I just thought, you know what? I've always wanted to grow a really long beard. And me being me and not being so sure of myself, uh, I actually polled my clients and said, do you think people would not work with me if I had a long beard? Sounds ridiculous now, you know, and I laugh at it myself, but that's how much I thought other people felt about working with people you know they treated them on a how they look basis and my clients being the clients that I had were like don't be an idiot you do good work and you've got a great personality just be you and it was you know it's and and it kind of gave me permission to finally not go to work thinking this is how I, this is how people expect me to look. Um, so I just started to grow a beard and that just, I, I don't know. I don't know if it just gave me more confidence. Um, and I've always really worn uh, baseball caps and trucker caps. And as the beard grew, and I always wore a red baseball cap for, for work and I would turn up to networking events. And it just got to the point where I would walk in and people would recognize who I was, even though I didn't know them, because I had this sort of look. I had, it was the baseball cap and the big long beard. And it it just kind of evolved. It wasn't, I suppose it was purposeful in a way, but it took on a life of its own. And now I'm stuck with it. If I shave my beard off, I'm kind of destroying my brand a little bit. Um, but it wasn't anything, it wasn't like super planned out. It feels like there was a lot of soul searching in there. And, um, you know, when we talk about like personal branding, it's, it's not just about your logo. It's, it's everything else around that. And I think it has to, be. um, yeah, I, I think you kind of found who you are and started to, to discover who you are and more about yourself and you kind of let that come out. Yeah, um, I think, 
Um, sorry to interrupt. I think it's one of the things that was um, was kind of pointed out to me was that in order to get noticed, you have to have an opinion. And I've always been very scared of having an opinion. Um, I'm not a confrontational person. I kind of, you know, like to stay in the shadows a little bit. But, you know, then you then no one notices you. So you have to have an opinion. And I'm still actually working on that to this day. And that's where the Rock Your Brand thing came in. That was where I was like, you know what? I like I like all kinds of music, but metal and rock are my big thing i you know i dj'd for 20 years which explains my deafness um i go to heavy metal festivals i i work at one of the heavy metal festivals and so the rock thing is is a big part of it and and i thought i'd love to bring that in in some way and so i started a facebook group um and i decided to call it rock your brand and it was just for um not designers, uh, business owners um, who wanted to learn a little bit more about design um, and branding, so they could go away and do bits themselves. It wasn't It wasn't a sales platform. Um, I'm not the best salesman in the world, but being able to do something and go to work every day, knowing that I had this thing called Rock Your Brand, oh, it was so great, Ian. I, I've, I, it makes my day to still be doing it, um, and so it kind of runs hand in hand with with Pixels Inc. But it's starting to kind of digress a little bit where Rock Your Brand is, I suppose, you talk about personal brand, the Rock Your Brand is more me as an individual and the Pixels Inc. is the more corporate brand, this, the agency, the design studio part of it all because um, the Rock Your Brand is, is definitely me. Anyone that's watched my YouTube videos will know that I sign off at the end with the, the old devil horns hand signal. Mm. You're making me think of, um, you might know uh, Lee as well, but a guy called Lee Jackson. I do um, know of Lee. Yeah, yeah so Lee, um, he wears a cap, he's, he's, he's got a beard, he yeah. uh, goes to any like networking events wearing like a hoodie and jeans, you know, just himself. He shared a video um, a year ago or a couple of years ago of one of his first like sales videos so so Lee does a lot of um uh, uh, web design work and he yeah, did this yeah. video where he shaved he wore a uh a shirt and tie and suit and um he's you know he's got this shiny bald head <laughs> and he literally did this sales pitch where he was like Mr. Businessman like yeah. you want to buy a website like it's but the thing is, now that I know Lee and I've spent a bit of time with him and seeing what he's doing, that is completely and utterly ridiculous. And even like I'm a business owner, you're a business mm -hmm. owner. I think what what you need to what 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 you need to come to realize is that the average business owner is people like us, you know, that are say, you know, they got a full time job, but they got this dream to do this thing, and they're saving up all their money and you know they want to create a business so at the beginning they might just you know hack it all together with what they can get but then there's going to become a point where they want to invest in it and um people want to work with people like them so mm -hmm. um that's it I, I i don't know if your personal brand is helping you or attracting a specific type of person um, but... yeah it's not i don't think it's attractive it's not you know it's not attracting um people with pentagrams etched into their foreheads or anything like that i think what it does i think what it is doing is um when 
when people see my content, when they eventually speak to me, I'm the same person. It's I, I'm exa- I act exactly the same way. But like you said with with Lee's thing, I don't have any video stuff of where I was. But on on my Facebook page, if you kind of scroll all the way back to sort of two thousand and eleven, I think it is. I think I was taking part in Movember and really, you know, very cleverly decided that would be a good day to get new staff photos done. And <laughs> I've got this terrible little kind of seven day old mustache um and like shaved bald head no hat and so exactly the description that you gave of lee is me sitting at this desk and it's just it's me but it's not me yeah not you it's not your personality and and one thing i'm gonna add we we uh, i'm just gonna say for the audience me and cole we haven't met in person yet but we've spoken a million times online and in chats like this but we uh, because we're both in the UK and we go to a number of networking events, we share um, uh, common friends. You know, I've I've been to events and um, people know Cole. Like they they had mentioned him because they're like, you know, I'm a graphic designer. They tend to go, do you know such and such? <laughs> so your name comes up. But one time I, I sat next to a lady and she had the Rock Your Brand sticker on. <laughs> her laptop and um i mean she was just an, an ordinary um kind of professional businesswoman but she i i mentioned it she, she's like oh i love it i love carl you know she 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 just totally sang your praises and um you kind of think that if you're going to be talking about rocking your brand and stuff like that you, you're just going to get loads of like heavy metal clients and stuff yeah. like that but i i think what you obviously got across to her and the other people that I know that know, know you, they see your passion for what you do and they just remember you. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're very distinct with what you look like and and because you do have that rock your brand, it's it really is an extension of you and it's unforgettable. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you've you've hit the nail on the head there. It's like when when I say rock your brand, it's not it isn't air guitars and you know being loud. It's when I say the term rock your brand, what I want is and you said the word passion, but for me it's about giving my clients confidence to go out and rock their brand because so many you'll know the same Ian working with people who come to you who are looking to rebrand, especially rebrands, they're embarrassed by what they have at that moment in time not everyone but some people are embarrassed and so i feel it's my job to give them the confidence to go out there and feel like they're lead guitar or vocalist on stage and they can play their brand to people and that was sort of sounds really cheesy and it probably is cheesy but that's why you can have someone sitting in a conference who looks kind of you know for want of a better word normal um, yeah with a yeah. rock your brand sticker on their laptop case because it's not about being brash and you know in your face it's just having that inner confidence to be proud of of what's been created and what you know you've helped someone create and and it's it just fits with me and it it's it's natural and i think that's the the thing that to be said really is that if you're developing a personal brand and um, even the word develop kind of sounds a bit like it's manufactured, um, you do to an extent, but it should be manufactured in the way that you're just 
consistently being yourself because if you if you manufacture something where you develop it as a a tactic or or like a mask you're going to tire really quickly because you're going to have to keep that mask up every time you're dealing with clients or you're networking and if it's not really natural you that's going to become really hard especially around the pressures of you know we know where it's like being being a designer you've got all those stresses and so the only way to maintain your personal brand is to make sure that it's genuinely you i i I hazard to use the word authentic because the word authentic now is becoming a marketing tactic. Um, just be you. That's 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 all I could you know say to it. Just be you and just have more confidence in being you. Um, that's again confidence comes into it uh, a lot, especially with you know us as designers with pricing and and everything else. The more confidence you can put into you, the stronger your personal brand will appear to your audience um, and they will kind of interact with you on a different level. That's how I've experienced it anyway. Um, I don't know if it's the same for others. Yeah. Um, with um, personal branding, one thing I would say is um, I think it's good that you're being you. And I try to do the same with what I'm doing with Logo Geek. I, I am a big nerd. I always have been <laughs> a big nerd. And um, I was I was a bit nervous about doing that at the beginning because I thought, you know, people uh, wouldn't necessarily need that. But what I would say is it really makes you stand out because there's so many other graphic designers out there. If everyone is doing the same um, you know, thing of trying to target the stereotypical like business owner, it's boring and you don't stand out but I think yeah. when you are when you know especially when you're a sole practitioner you're working for yourself adding that element of you in there and making it distinctly you don't go out there and try and be the next Aaron Draplin or the next Cole Gray find what makes you you and I think um, you need to do a little bit of soul searching with it like you have and um, like I have you know uh, growing up I um, I used to kind of get bullied a little bit for being completely dorky but now I'm just embracing it because it's me like uh, um, uh, uh, when I go to networking events I, I do I wear my dinosaur shirts and my UFO shirts and my uh, you know my normal glasses and I just embrace that I am a geek and I, 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 a few other people that I know that um, have a personal brand. Uh, I got a, a friend who's very bubbly and enthusiastic and kind of, how would I describe it? Quite buzzy with her personality. Yeah. She puts that into everything that she does and it's kind of like bright and sparkly and colorful, but still professional. So when she does video content, she gets that element of her personality in and any uh like social posts any any content she puts on her website it's got that edge to it but it's still professional yeah you can still remain yeah exactly you can still remain professional with it yeah yeah you're still professional but it is just you and i think because it is such a competitive landscape there are hundreds of thousands of graphic designers out there if you want to stand out you do need to do something um different and i think the best way of doing that is to be uniquely you mm -hmm. um a, a question i wanted to ask around this and i don't know if you'll have any advice because i know what you've shared so far is your kind of your own personal story do you have any advice for designers that are that are wanting to develop their personal brand um i think it's pretty much 
what I said before in that you, you have to have, you've kind of got to put yourself out there. Um, you know, you, you said yourself, Ian, you know, that, you know, the, about being like the nerd and stuff and but you kind of shy away from it a little bit, but it, you have to own it. Um, and if you own it, then, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks because there's, as a designer, there's, there's, there's so many clients out there. You're never going to work with everyone anyway. So you almost have to bringing out your personality and developing a personal brand will actually push the wrong people away and bring the right ones in. Um, it's, it's a bit, it works a bit like pricing, I suppose, you know, it's like, Oh, I'm not, you know, I don't really, don't really align with their, with their personality. Well, that's fine because it means that the ones that do, you're probably going to have a much better relationship uh, working with them. I mean, all of the clients that I work with right now, just, you know, it's just, it, I just have such a good time. Um, and I think, you know, if design can be a struggle, and if we're going to struggle, then should we not be struggling within that in a way that we feel comfortable and not having to be something that we're not so that it, it kind of lessens that uh, a little bit. But it's, I don't have any real specific, you know, ways to develop a personal brand. I know that there's lots of people out there who that's their business is helping people develop personal brands, but I think there's some things you could do which are more uh, based around sort of how you put content out there and the more technical aspects of it. But I think it has to organically grow. And I think it takes time. Um, you have to, a little bit hippie sounding, but you have to find yourself. And you'll find yourself through your work and you'll find yourself just through the interactions that you have with clients and the ones that work and the ones that don't. Um, I'm not saying it'll take, you know, as long as it took me uh, like 15 years to decide to be me finally. But, you know, it, it does take a little bit of time and just be just be comfortable with that. Don't rush it. Um, if you rush it, it will seem manufactured. Um, just, you know it will come it will it will come that's that's all that i suppose that's my advice is just let it happen naturally no i i i agree with you like from my own personal experience with logo geek i i went through a whole phase where i thought oh, i'm not sure this is the right name like uh, uh, just so that you know i the i originally registered the domain because it was free <laughs> Um, that was the primary reason I just thought, oh, that's a cool domain. I'm just going to grab that and, and use that. And, uh, I have gone through many phases where I'm thinking, I, I don't think this could actually work as a proper business, but I've, uh, persisted with it. And, uh, I, I think, you know, from a personal level, I've come to accept who I am. You know, I've always been a guy that loves going to Comic Con and watching movies and um, comic books. I collect toys. You know, I am a big geek and I, I, I love logo design and it, it works really well for like the podcast and the community. I've been shaping everything around that and that's come through time. You know, it's like, it, it, it's not just the case of like, creating a brand you know from scratch yeah. it's it's uh it's kind of soul searching within you like accepting who you are and embracing who you are and injecting that into your 
identity and let, letting it evolve. Yeah, it sounds fluffy, but it's you know it's it's not really. It's we we have to kind of do what we can because we 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 struggle to get work as it is, and and I just feel that I can't imagine local geek being called anything else. Mm. I can't. It's like when you have your favorite film and there's a certain actor in it, you can't imagine anyone else being that character. And just everything you've said there around local geek about, you know, your pastimes, your hobbies and and just your love of logos. It just, it's a perfect domain and a perfect name for the business. Um, But we all kind of go through the doubt stage of, is this pigeonholing me? Am I kind of being a caricature of myself? in a way um but as you said it, it can kind of come around full circle and you go no this is the right thing and um, for yeah. me um i mean it just to expand on what you said about pigeonholing yourself it's another thing that i've also been thinking about as well because with logo geek um, it kind of it really limits you to like logo design and branding <laughs> identity um but I can always create another side project and start on something else. Yeah. There's, there's always room for that maneuver. Um, so, you know, don't ever feel like you're pigeonholing yourself into something because you created that brand. You can, you can change it and shift. You're creating like an identity around you. Yeah. If what you created isn't quite work and just, just change it and let it grow and evolve in the way that, uh, pixels inc has yeah it's one of the benefits of a personal brand is that you take the personal brand with you to new ventures so you know it's it'd be ian from logo geek is now doing this as well so you know you, you become you know so like you said you know call from pixels inc has rock your brand or call from pixels inc has this or call from rock your brand it's the, the the noticeable thing is that people are saying call from and Ian from. So that means that the, the personal brand, the personal element is the strong active part that's being named first in, mm-hmm. you know, in front of like a, an agency name or a, a Facebook group name or something like that. So if you can get to that point, um, then I, I've, kind of toyed with i've got my own name as a domain name and i've toyed with kind of setting that up as a more um consultation side of things but then i thought you know what i i i just like the rocky brand stuff and i'd kind of like that to be you know if i'm going to do brand strategy then maybe that's the rocky brand arm and then the design element is the pixels inc arm um and my name just floats between both so you're right. Yeah. You don't, you don't feel that, you know, if you're a personal, because there's the conversation in, um, in low geek that happens now and again, when people are starting out, they're like, should I call my business my name or should I give it like a name, like a company? I don't think there's a right and wrong there. Um, it, I suppose it depends on what your long-term goals are. Um, but I think starting off, there's nothing wrong with starting off with your own name because it is going to be you that people are dealing with and you build up the equity in your name, then you can take that equity with you into whatever you build further down the line. Um, and it will be worth something. It'll be worth a lot by that point. Um, if you don't build the equity in yourself, what, where, where does that equity come from? I just want to take a short break to thank FreshBooks who have sponsored this episode. 
As creatives, we like to spend our time designing logos and brand identities, but a lot of us spend more time than we'd like doing admin work, like creating invoices, chasing payments, logging expenses. And that's where FreshBooks can help you. It's an accounting software designed for creative professionals that will save you time. For example, you can create branded, professional-looking invoices in as little as 30 seconds. You can set up credit card payments right from those invoices too, meaning that your clients can pay faster. And when it comes around to tax time, you can export out tidy reports for expenses, invoice details, and sales tax to make working with an accountant really simple. Right now, I'm offering listeners of the Logo Geek podcast a free 30-day trial. To claim that, just head to freshbooks.com forward slash Logo Geek, making sure to enter Logo Geek in How Did You Hear About a section. Now let's get back to the interview. One question that I've been keen to ask you is about self-development and investing in yourself. And I, I read in an interview that you did that you regret not investing in yourself, you know, in terms of coaching and and development. And uh, you mentioned in that same thing that it was only after like nine years of running your business that you changed that. Mm-hmm. Would you mind giving some background to that? Like what 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 types of things was you struggling with and how did coaching and training and stuff like that help you um, work through that? Um, I think I was struggling because I was, I was working all the hours, but I couldn't seem to break through a level of income. Um, and I knew, I knew part of it was around how much I was charging, but I just, I couldn't raise my prices. Um, I just I wasn't wasn't comfortable with it. Um, but it, it really started to get to the stage where I was getting really stressed at the at how many jobs I was having to do to bring in enough money to kind of just cover the bills and and stuff like that. And um, it just happened that I w- I went to a networking event. And there was uh, a lady sitting next to me and she, uh, I can't remember what event it was actually, um, what networking event it was, but she stood up and did her elevator pitch. And I was sitting next to her and every single thing she said, I was sitting going, that's me, that's me. Uh, I need that. That's me. That's me. And so I was like, right, okay. She's just described everything and and I need help. I need, I need, so I, I said, right, can I, you know, she'd offered a free half hour consultation or whatever it was. And I said, I'd like to take you up on that. And so we chatted and um, it all sounded perfect what she could kind of help me out with. And it was a lot of money, um, what she was charging. But I just thought to myself, right, I have that. I've got that amount of money. And if I give all of that money away, I'm going to have to act on the teachings that um, it was, her name was Laura. Uh, that Laura shows me because I'll I'll have to because I have no safety net now. So I was I was putting myself out on the line because I was like I need to make a change. If I do not change something, I'm I'm probably going to get a job in Tesco or just I I need to get out of this game because I won't be able to cope anymore. Um, and people often ask, well, what was it that that Laura taught you? And she taught me a few things, but the biggest thing was um, to be confident in myself to 
to listen when people say you are good at something because very easy to to bat that away almost like you know it's like an ego thing you're like no no i'm you know i'm not good i'm not, you know but you have to sometimes take that on and go actually you know what i am good at this specific thing or that thing and so what laura did was laura helped me build up my confidence enough that um I actually moved out of the office that I was in, which wasn't the greatest. I moved down into a new build office in Dundee, which was made out of shipping containers. It was really cool. I couldn't afford it. But Laura was like, if you move in there, you will feel so much better and you will start to bring in better work. And I promise you it will work. And it worked. I didn't, you know, part of me didn't believe it at first, but I was like, you know, if I don't change something, it's it's not going to work. So that was my first kind of foray into uh, spending money out with buying Pantone books or inkjet paper or you know things for the business. This is the first time I spent money on me. And I, I learned from that point that if I need to improve myself, I'm going to have to invest in myself. And so since then, you know, that was uh, 2013, um, so it's been seven years now. I've, pr- I've, every year I've actually spent more and more money on, on training myself in different ways. It might be joining a membership, which is specific for a certain thing. Um, last year was the biggest money I spent in one go, and that was uh, going to Martin Umeyer's Level C, um, for the brand specialist thing, which I know you've done as well, Ian. And uh, that'll be the first time that we meet in person this year when we're both doing Level Two which I'm excited about um, and very nervous about <laughs> at the same time, not meeting you, the level two course. Um, but uh, I just found that because it's scary if you don't have, one thing I will say is it's really scary thinking about spending because most coaches um, and consultants and things, they, they, you know, they charge a lot of money um, high hourly rates and stuff. So you have to be sure that you're going to get something back off of that. I admit I wasn't entirely sure about that very first one. It was a, it was a leap of faith almost. Um, but since then, I've looked around and I've always got more back because I've I'm improving myself. Um, I'm now I still work for myself, but I'm building sort of more of a sort of a a satellite team around me. Um, everyone is employed themselves and. I'm starting to kind of grow things, which has given me a little bit more time to to do stuff. And the one one of the things that came out of um, Laura giving me the confidence was that over the course of two years built up that confidence for me to stand in front of a video camera and hit record and put myself put myself out for a, you know judgment from other designers and stuff and talk about design and branding to an audience, I could never have done that without personal development and paying people to help me. You need people to to talk to you and tell you what they can see from the outside because you can't see it. You're so inside yourself that, you know, it's it's sometimes you can be scared to let yourself out. And so you need people to say, look, here's you, here's a mirror. This is how good you are. This is what you can do. This is what you're great at. And also, this is what you need to get better at. And you need to go away and focus on that. And if you focus on that, that will have an impact on this. And that will get better. And that will get better. So all I would say is to anyone who's thinking about it, yes, it can be expensive. But 
if you do the right thing um, for where you're struggling with most, it'd be some of the best money you've ever spent. Mm. You know, Cole, I, I really wasn't expecting that to be the answer because I, I was thinking that when you mentioned that you, um, you know, you had that first kind of consultation, I thought maybe she would be giving you advice on how you approach your like sales tactics or how you approach certain projects or things like that. Yeah, but it's, she did, but it didn't fit with my, my personal values. If I'm honest, it was, it felt, I'm not a salesy person. I understand that there are sales techniques and things, but there were some of the, just some of the ways. And Laura was cool with it. Laura was like, not all of this is going to work for you. Um, but I just wanted to be honest uh, with your question and, and just be like, yeah, I paid a lot of money and I was told all this sales technique, but what Laura gave me was some self-belief and yeah. confidence. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I kind of resonated with it because that's something that I've always struggled with. And um, I, I know we've we've spoken about it personally, but I'm going to, just going to mention it now. I've been working for a company now for like the last 11 years. I went part time about three or four years ago and I just literally just handed in my notice um, like a couple of weeks ago. So I'll be going full time. And um, I, I've been speaking to my partner about it and like literally my emotions are like a yo-yo. <laughs> I, I have days where it's like, I'm leaving, woohoo, I can work on this. And then the next week, am I going to make enough money? And she's always telling me, Ian, you know exactly what you're doing. You have more experience than than most people I know. You can make this work. And, and I think, I, I do think confidence is a massive thing. I, I've, I've had therapy to help with, like social anxiety and I would not be doing things like this podcast now if I hadn't done that and I personally really kind of push um on self-development to improve like speaking and stuff like that and most of it falls down to confidence mm -hmm. um so it was it was a surprising response right. would you was there anything in particular that she did to help you with that like beyond just telling you that you're good was there some like special things that she did that people could maybe apply to be a bit more confident um it's hard to think back it sounds terrible but it's it's hard to think back because it, i can't think of it being a specific thing we did you know we did the i can't remember the names of these sorts of tests you know sort of the personality tests that let you see the type of kind of person you are and and, and how you would work you know, so you have things like, you know, you have people who are like known who are commanders. So their their color would be red. And they're the kind of people that I don't work well with because they are quite intimidating. Um and one of the interesting things that that came out of that sort of test of personality was that you have the, the personality test is four colors and generally you're stronger in one color. I think I was strongest in something like blue or green um, colors. But when you are in situations, you can pull some energy, I suppose, from your strongest color and put it in some of your weaker colors. So my weaker color was red. And you can pull some of that into red to level your red up so that when you're dealing with a red person, you, you kind of are understanding a little bit and you talk on their terms. But what Laura said was that when we did the test, so the first part of the test shows you your natural 
personality. And then the second set of questions are how much you can pull from from your personality into it. And my results were exactly the same on both. And she said, "That's re- it's unusual that nothing changes. You 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 are who you are all the time. You don't put on a different personality or a different way of behaving." to fit the situation and that can be detrimental because i could be kind of basically railroaded by a red person um who is very you know commandeering you know the probably the stereotypical businessman in a suit who will beat me down from 200 pounds to 10 quid you know um and and that just having that information was an eye opener to me. It didn't change me, and it didn't change the way that I did things. But it let me see how I sh- how I hadn't seen myself in situations, and it explained a lot to me about the outcomes of situations. That explains why I'm constantly being beaten down on price. But by being able to kind of go in, being fully conscious and aware that that could happen it meant that I built up the confidence in my own skills so that I could go in and be like, no, well, that's how much. Okay, that didn't happen straight away. That probably took about five or six years to to build that up. But in my head, it was always, always there. So um, I think of a, of a specific kind of exercise, knowing what type of natural personality I have really helped me then to interact with people of different personality types. Um, mm. I don't know if that answers your question, Ian, but... Yeah, it does. No, it's, I, I was just curious because I know, well, I, I experienced that and I I reckon that there would be a whole heap of people listening to this that would have expected the same answer from you as I did and were surprised and actually thinking, oh, how that's me. You know, that that's the thing that I struggle with. I, I, I just struggle with confidence and... I'm sure in graphic designers, we probably all struggle from confidence and knowing that you can get kind of consultation to help with this is, for for me, it's surprising. And uh, considering it's such a key area, you know, like confidence is the difference between quoting $20,000 and quoting 20 pounds, you know, that's just that alone, you know, putting out figures, that's a confidence thing. It's also, yeah, it's the confidence as well of quoting out £20,000 and not letting it drop to £20. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's good to know there's help out there. And I'm sure that people can look into those personality types if they if they wanted to. Yeah. Okay. I uh, Another thing I wanted to ask you, and uh, you mentioned it briefly then around confidence, is now you create a lot of content. So you're doing videos, like you're, you're really pushing your youtube channel and something i i feel is worth pointing out is that you're creating content around graphic design Mm -hmm. but it's not targeted at other designers nope you are creating content that uh, that graphic designers might have an interest in yeah but you are specifically creating content that will help potential clients assist potential clients ask any clients uh, ask uh, answer any questions that clients might have 
but there are a whole heap of graphic designers, myself included. I'm in, in I'm in this pool as well. We create content for other graphic designers. Yeah. I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on that that you could potentially share because I I mean I've got my own thoughts on it, so I could add to your response as mm -hmm. well. But do you think it's a mistake creating content for other graphic designers? Like, like in, in terms of creating the content that you are about graphic design for clients, is that helping you get leads? Um, oh, I definitely get leads. Uh, YouTube was 20% of my new, as 20% of my business last year. Um, new business, new business, new clients. Um, in terms of leads, people are making 20% of your inquiries are from your YouTube. Not not twenty percent of my inquiries, twenty percent of my business, my income. Wow. Um, I don't know what the inquiries uh, rate is because you know, well, we all know you, you get you get a lot of inquiries and they're not all kind of valuable. Um, so is that like sponsorship that you're getting, like income from? The no, video? I don't, I've got no sponsors. <laughs> um, I've had I've had I've had people ask me, but it's not been the right fit. I I. I it's not been right for my audience. It's been better for the sponsor. And it's like things like, um, I've done a couple of, I suppose they weren't sponsored videos. Like, so, um, Michael's, um, logo package express, for example, I did a video on that, which really isn't of much use to a business audience, but I wanted to do that to highlight how good that was as a piece of software. And I knew it'd be useful for designers to see. So that was slightly different. I do do some videos, which are probably aimed more at, at designers but um in terms of yeah sponsorship i didn't start my youtube channel a to get clients or to get affiliate marketing or anything i did it because um i had an experience with a client where um they came in to see me about doing some work and i think it was a logo or something a rebrand and i asked them just in the during the meeting i said okay yeah well I'll, i'd be interested to look at that but if you could send me a jpeg of the logo that you have i'll be able to give you some feedback and they were like okay cool and then they went away and then i didn't hear from them again and i just thought oh they've gone to someone else and then i attended a networking event and they were there and they were actively avoiding me. And I thought, oh, it must have been a terrible meeting. They're not speaking to me at all. But what it was, was they were actually embarrassed because they didn't know what a JPEG was. And my instinct was, well, if I didn't know what a JPEG was, I'd just go Google it and find out what it was. But, you know, people are different. And, you know, and this person wasn't technically minded. So even Google wasn't the first thing they would think of. Um, and so I, they told me this and I was mortified that this person felt they felt stupid that's what she said to me she said, i felt stupid i the way you just kind of said oh send me a jpeg i felt i should have known what it was and i didn't and i was embarrassed to come back to you and i was embarrassed to say at the meeting that i didn't know what it was and i i felt awful i felt so bad um and so at the time i'd, I'd only just recently started blogging um and i, I don't like writing i'm i'm I can do it, but I'm, I, I don't enjoy it at all. Um, and then the other option was to do video, and I really didn't like the thought of that because I don't like getting my photograph taken. But people had said, you know, you, you come across really well when you're speaking to people. We think you'd be great on video. Why don't you give it a go? And so I thought, well, I need a reason to do it. And the reason to do it was I thought, right, I'm going to use this client as an example. I'm going to create videos that help 
business people understand the basics of design so that when they go and work with a graphic designer, the relationship, it makes it easier for the business person because they know a bit of what they're talking about. And it makes it easier for the designer because they're now speaking to someone who has a basic knowledge of design. A lot of the problems that come between client and designer is the not understanding of things. And that's how miscommunications happen and misunderstandings and things go a bit wonky. Um, And so that's why I didn't, you know, I didn't say, right, I want to do YouTube, but I'm not going to do it for designers because there's too many people already doing stuff for designers. It was, it was, I suppose this a little personal mission of um, helping business owners understand a little bit more. And the interesting thing is, is that by doing that, I actually educated myself in a lot of areas because as designers, we often do a lot of things just through muscle memory um, designing. But when you have to create a video to explain to someone what it is that you are doing, you have to do it methodically and and in a specific order. And so you have to really think carefully about what you're doing. And that um, sort of started me into my journey of getting a lot deeper into brand strategy and wanting to learn more about that, which then led me on to doing Marty's Level C course. And it's it's a big interest of mine and I'm moving a lot more into that. but yeah, it's just, um, I have, I have nothing against people who want to start podcasts, YouTube channels, um, educating other designers. It's just, it's, I don't feel that's a benefit to me, um, doing that. Uh, if you want to do it, I suppose if you start doing that kind of stuff, then you're probably in it because you, you could probably get, you know, AdSense money from YouTube, which isn't huge, but you will get sponsorships if you grow your channel enough. But like I say, I wasn't really really into that um uh it sounds like i'm a bit of a goody two-shoes but it really um wasn't about that it was just i just felt so bad for that poor lady um being embarrassed to come back and speak to me that i never wanted that to happen again yeah well you don't really think about it do you because uh, as a designer something like a jpeg it's just a jpeg i i i just assume I just assume that everyone knows what that is, but you, you kind of forget that. Um, and uh, I, I, I actually did a an interview with someone that does SEO, so search engine optimization. Mm-hmm. Uh, so people listening to this might not be familiar with what like, SEO is. And um, she, what she started to do is um, she create she worked out a very specific niche audience, and then. The, she started to listen to how her potential customers started to talk about stuff. Mm-hmm. So rather than using like SEO, she started to say like, be found on Google. Mm-hmm. And she changed her whole communication to be understandable to the the potential audience. And I think you kind of... It's um, a smart way to do it. I mean, it's not really a mistake, is it? But you you used a term, and uh, I mean, it's probably quite rare that that would happen. Um, but it's it's good to acknowledge that people might not know what these. Uh, what do they call it? It's the curse of knowledge, isn't it? It's the yeah, curse yeah. of knowledge that yeah, it really is. to you, and they're not. It really is, um, but I I think I I think it's good to um, speak to the clients in in the right way um i i think you know fraser as well we got mute, a mutual yeah. friend 
Fraser. He's also Scottish. He told me a funny story uh, a couple of weeks ago where he's got mates that are like car dealers. Yeah, you know, they sell like yeah. used cars, yeah. do like mechanic or something like that. And he literally said, if I went in and spoke to my mate and said, how would you like this brand identity, uh, brand strategy project, all this sort of stuff? He'd literally told me that they would tell him where to go. Yeah. So what he does instead, he would go in and go, oh, you, you, do, you, do you need a sign for up here to help sell those? Yeah. You know, he literally used the language that they use and uh, um, approach it all in that way. And I think that's basically what you're doing. You're speaking the language of of them and making it, a lot more easier yeah. to understand there's a there's a there's a, a gentleman i know marcus sheridan who's written a very good book by the way uh, called the ask you answer about it's a content marketing book but he said the minute so he's talking specifically more about people who go on stage and do uh, talks and stuff the minute you try to look smart is the minute you look stupid because mm-hmm you know as especially you know if you're a younger designer or something and you want to look clever so you're going to go and speak to these clients and a bit like fraser said if you go out there and you go yeah let's look at some agile strategy for your brand identity and you'll just get a glazed look in front of you and because they don't know what you're talking about you have to understand who you're speaking to and kind of level them up so i like all of my early videos, I did a six part thing on color. Color can be the trickiest thing that I deal with with clients is trying to get them to understand why colors look different on different papers. And it can get really tricky if you don't explain that to clients and they're, they're used to working with you long distance and they've been looking at a color on screen and then suddenly they get printed stationary from you and it doesn't look the same. They, they think you've done something wrong. You have to explain all of these things about why why that happens and why this happens. And so I've over sort of three years, um, because I made the mistake, one of the first, I think one of the first um, videos I did was what is a brand? Even that was too high level, even though I was trying to explain what a brand was. So I started to go backwards. I think my next one was what is a logo? Um, And that's one of my best performing ones. And it's actually one of the cringiest videos because I... I had a, I was read, read a script. Um, I'd put hairspray on my beard so it wouldn't move. It was perfectionism to the extreme. Um, yeah, but look at where you are now. You, you, you just need to remember it's the content that matters. And I, I think it's good to know that you're creating genuinely helpful content and making terminology we use easier to understand by non-designers. Yeah, and that was the ultimate goal. You, you mentioned then about agile strategy, and it's just reminded me of a book called scramble which is marty neymar's latest book on brand strategy um but what i like about this particular book from marty is that it's a story this time so when people do mention these industry terms like agile strategy in the book you hear how people react um so it's a good book to hear how people talk about these industry terms um I, i think there will always be people that will hear um buzzwords and and think that they're nonsense so it's important to be able to speak in a language that clients can understand and Mm -hmm. i think you clearly do that very well 
I, I think the best marketers do that well, actually. I, I'm reading a book from Seth Godin at the moment. It's called This is Marketing. And everything that Seth does it is so clear, transparent, easy to understand. Yeah. And I think that's what makes the difference between someone that's good and someone that's really good. Yeah, Seth's really good. At, like He's so good at short-form content that just packs so much into it. Um, I think that's one of the things as well about when, if I'm going to create a video on a specific topic, I want to make sure that I I have the best understanding of it myself before I say something. And, and I'll often learn a lot. To be honest, in the three years I've been doing it, some of the earlier videos, I actually contradict myself in newer ones because you learn more over years. And I think that's something that you, you shouldn't be afraid of. It's like, um, you know, 10 years ago when I was designing logos, they were to the best of my ability 10 years ago. The logos that I design now are a million times better because I now use um, strategy as part of the, the design process. Back then I didn't. It was more just like, oh, you're... Um, selling cameras okay so your logo is going to have something to do with a camera you know whereas now it's not that way that's not how i work in design um so you just be confident and comfortable where you with where your knowledge is right now don't try to be 10 years ahead of where you are comfortably at um this stuff takes time and i think everyone wants shortcuts but you can't make them you have to make the mistakes and learn from experiences and, and it will come. Yeah. You know, your answer then kind of takes the whole conversation almost full circle because at the beginning we spoke about um, build, building your own personal brand and uh, what, the, what the conversation kind of led to is that it's, it's more about becoming you and and building confidence and learning and as you learn you kind of progress mm -hmm. um it's funny I, I read a couple of uh blog posts and articles i wrote uh maybe five years ago and i i've just started kind of working through my website and updating a load of content and there's some stuff that i wrote about branding I thought I know what I was writing, but Jesus Christ, I'm reading that now thinking this is absolute nonsense. I'm, I'm trying but it, it to was be... your level of knowledge at the time. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah. It's I don't feel like I need to hide that. And it's the same with like the um, one, one thing I find fascinating with like podcasts. Anyone can go back to my first episodes mm -hmm. or those first seasons and... And it would be the same with your videos as well. You yeah. know, anyone can kind of go back to the beginning. It's fascinating seeing how much you progress in in a relatively short space of time i think i find it frustrating when people delete old content um it's like okay it might not be correct or whatever you could always go back into that the more difficult with video but with blogs for example you could very easily link to a more updated one you know say you know here's this you know for the latest thoughts on branding yeah i don't know i don't know Carl. with some of my blog content i'm, I'm actually going through and updating it just because it just literally yeah. makes no sense yeah i, I think <laughs> i think things like video um that is literally there and then yeah i, I like people to see the journey yeah. yeah you can see the journey but i think something like a blog post where it's uh literally say say if it was a question and the question is the heading and then it provides yeah, you have to be careful that the answer's yeah. wrong and yeah. i that's 
I what I like to do is go through, find that content, rework it, and then release it as a mm-hmm. new thing. Yeah. And if I've changed the URL, then I'll do a 301 redirect. But something like a blog post, I, I personally, yeah. I prefer to update that. But I don't know, anything that's kind of of the moment with like audio or um, video, I, I, I think it's good to leave it there. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of Pat, Pat Flynn. Yeah. And Pat yeah. Flynn is such like he's on another level now. Like he's a multimillionaire. <laughs> he's he's doing podcast content um, on a weekly basis. He's got his like YouTube channel and he's doing all this stuff and he's got this whole massive ecosystem. Um, and I mean, it's scaling to a ridiculous mm-hmm. level because he's employing people and he's got like special studios and sets and all this sort of stuff. And you look at it and you think, I can never match that. And I, I, you know, I see like students trying to match that level. That's, but yeah, that's the yeah. Thing. that's the thing is that you you're going to break yourself. Yeah, but if you go back, out. if you go back to like the old videos, you can go back to Pat Flynn's first video, <laughs> and they are horrendous. <laughs> Like he's got one where he's just literally holding his phone, walking down the street, and uh, he he literally has no confidence whatsoever. Yeah. Um. A lot of them are like uh, sharing a screen, talking over it nervously, and <laughs> it's inspiring. Yeah, it's, you're, it's guaranteed. Yeah. Your first attempt at anything will be shit. And just yeah. be comfortable with that. You'll get better the more you do. Um. And I still get really nervous every time I have to record a video. Once once you get going, it's not too bad. Um, but you know, I think the ner- nerves is a good thing. It shows that you care that the con- that you care about the content you're creating. It's when you become blasé about it that I think that comes across. Um, it doesn't come across as sincere. So, um, but yeah, please don't please don't look at where someone is now and think that you can be there now if you've not done anything like that previously it just it's unfortunately takes time um yeah yeah you know yeah i think i think the moral of this interview is confidence and self-development and growing at your own pace and letting things kind of take shape yeah and don't be don't isolate yourself i would say that as well is don't isolate yourself as a designer try to build a little accountability group of other designers um and just you know catch up with other designers regularly because we are probably one of the worst professions for uh, self-doubt and imposter syndrome and saying we're not good enough uh when really it's like i said about my uh, first coach you need people to to look from the outside and tell you what the reality is, not what you think it is. Mm-hmm. I think that's a fantastic kind of final word. So since we spoke for about an hour, I think we'll wrap it up now. But Carl, this has been a, a fantastic episode. It went in a completely di- different direction to what I was <laughs> expecting. But I think all the different topics, they all kind of link. And I think, uh, yeah, definitely the biggest thing here is confidence and i hope that you know people will get a lot out of this so thanks a pleasure thanks for having me on ian
If you enjoyed this episode, do let myself and Cole know by giving us a shout out on social media. I'd imagine a topic like confidence will have resonated with quite a lot of listeners. So if that was you and this episode inspired you in some way, do let myself and Cole know. We'd absolutely love to hear from you. To learn more about Cole, head to his website, pixelsinc.com. Alternatively, check out the show notes for this episode, which can be found at logageek.uk forward slash 67, where you'll find links to Cole's website, social channels, YouTube channel, as well as any books mentioned in the interview, as well as a full transcription too. So again, to find the show notes for this episode, head to logageek.uk forward slash 67. And if you want to discuss anything mentioned in this interview with me, Cole, and 8,000 other logo designers from around the world, join the Logo Geek community on Facebook. It's totally free to join and you can find it just by heading to logogeek.uk forward slash community. So that is it for this week, but I will see you the same time next week for another exciting episode of the Logo Geek podcast.